0: I'm Ayo Benny, I'm Kiki, and we are Tired. Yo what's up, I'm Ayo Benny, I'm Kiki, and we are Tired. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast this week. We're going to be talking about, the since it is Black History Month, we're going to be talking about the most influential black leaders, underrated black people, Mm -hmm. our heroes of the black movement Mm -hmm. that has helped shape our country and our society today.
1: Yes, happy Black History Month to all my black people, my non-black people. Mal. Just everybody have a black happy Black
0: History Month. Have a black, black history yeah. month.
1: For you blacks out there, you better celebrate your blackness this month, okay? Don't let anybody tell you anything.
0: Contrary to... Con- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, contrary to popular belief, this isn't no month where black people can act a fool. That's Juneteenth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Juneteenth and Juneteenth only. But this month, we shall show up, we shall show out, and we shall educate ourselves and educate others and other people educate yourselves
0: as well so for this month each podcast is going to be dedicated to civil rights or uh, popular or dedicated to just any individual that inspired us in the black community but Mm -hmm. there's not going to be like you know the major people like martin luther king rosa parks you know malcolm x These are not going to be the people that we all know about it's going to be about the underrated heroes that we never really talk about
1: Yeah, that's right. We wanted to take the time to honor and just, uh, like, take the time to value these people because a lot of the people that we hear about commonly, you know, in history class, those are not the only ones. Those are some people who stood out, but there's actually a lot of standout, underrated people, and that goes for, you know, the the realms of, like, art. That goes in, so we're going to be talking about different, like, actors, actresses, artists, photographers, like, everything, Um, who we don't really hear being talked about, who were the first or who just did great things for the community, the Black community and just the world. We're going to be talking about civil rights activists. um, And then we're going to be talking about politicians, medicine, like all kind of different um, realms of just everything, okay. So this episode, though, we're going to be focusing on civil rights activists and two in particular. Yes,
0: two of people who what we feel don't give enough recognition when it comes to the civil rights movement. Some of the unsung heroes of how we were able to come to the the life that we live today. Like, mm-hmm. You know, we're in integrated societies, and we have definitely progressed further than we have from the earlier twentieth century. However, we still have a long way to go to receive true and to true justice. But, you know, we're going to mention the two people that we feel like deserve a little shout out today.
1: Yes. Okay. And those two people are?
0: Ella Baker. And the second one is Ruby Bridges. Mm -hmm. So first, we're going to talk about Ella Baker. Yes. Just give a little introduction. Ella Baker was born in Norfolk, Virginia, in December 13th, 1903. Her inspiration for activism came when she started from a young age, when her grandmother would share stories of her life as a slave and the horror she faced during slavery. Ella realized then at that young age that she, there were still injustices facing the black community, especially in the Jim Crow South. So she attended uh, Shaw University in order to get a proper education in English and in historical studies, and therefore she graduated as a valedictorian. After she graduated, she... Kelly. Yeah, <laughs> let me
1: let me talk about Ella Baker, because Ella Baker is my girl, <laughs> okay? I must say that mm. I did not know about much about Ella Baker um, mm. until I really took the time in order to kind of study for this and to learn myself Mm -hmm. that, oh my goodness, this woman did such great things. And I also, in a certain way, can kind of like relate to some of her struggles, but I'll Mm -hmm. get into that later. Um, So Ella Baker was a prominent leader in a lot of the like really big like um, civil rights organizations so one of them being the NAACP which you hear being talked about a lot another one is the Southern Christian Leadership Conference or SCLC and then the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee which is pronounced like SNCC apparently mm-hmm. <laughs> so in throughout the um S, the SNCC or the SNCC Um, They organized Freedom Rides, the Freedom Ride of 1961, and they helped to register black voters. Mm -hmm. And through the NAACP, she did a lot through them um, during her time there. So first, she was the field secretary, and then she got moved up to director. And she was the first woman to have that role at the NAACP. And what she did there was really just to embolden Black people and people who had previously been enslaved, because remember, she came from slave, a slave family, obviously. So her grandparents were enslaved people. So she, during that time, was still trying to embolden people as far as their thinking and for them not to still think as you know slaves. And so she was helping them to think about themselves um, differently right, and to join forces and peaceably demand for them to receive the same human rights as white people of that era. And so she headed campaigns against lynching. She organized job training for black people and also organized um, different protests to fight for equal pay. Um, And then in 1952, she became the first woman president of the NAACP. And um, she fought to end school segregation, and she also was very outspoken. And she publicly confronted leaders on things that they were doing wrong. So she was great. Okay, um, <clears throat> and do you have anything? Else to add as far as like this period of time for her?
0: This period of time, well, basically, when she was a part of SNCC, she was very, very involved when it comes to nonviolent protests. Mm. So she was a part of when it came to doing sit ins, when it came to counter sit ins, when it came to like, you know, Peaceful protesting and marching, that were very like you know harassed by the non non black people and being harassed by the white citizens in the area. She was very heavily involved in that, and she was attacked. She was uh, called names, but she didn't let it stop her, and she continued to spread SNCC throughout other schools. So she involved it in Shaw University. She did it at Fisk. She did it at other universities to make sure that SNCC was being produced in every state possible in the Jim Crow South.
1: Mm, yeah, so she was a cool girl. Okay, yeah. I, like I wish to be here, I aspire to be like Ella Baker. Yeah. And I think the coolest thing about Ella Baker yeah. was that she was around during a time when there was no such thing as like woman liberation. First of all, when you're talking even about woman liberation, black women, it took a lot longer of a period of time for them to actually be liberated and during this time the reason why she was super underrated because i was like why do you like why did i not hear about her the reason why she was super underrated was because she was around during like dr king so everybody knows mlk um she was around during this time and during this time i would say there was a lot of um tension between her and a lot of the leaders especially at the sclc um because she had a voice, she right? She was a woman. But she was also a woman, yeah. exactly. And so she was very much overshadowed by their spotlight, per se, and because they were such dominant mm-hmm. and well-spoken leaders, mm-hmm. they not would not necessarily listen to a woman mm-hmm. and her opinion on how they should do certain things mm-hmm. and what she felt that they should um, focus their attention on, exactly. right? And mm-hmm. she was very much about we don't want like she didn't want it to be about her and she mm-hmm. also didn't believe in like people just being about mlk 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 mm-hmm. she wanted it to be about the people and mm-hmm. she was more about fighting and emboldening people and mm-hmm. making them see their potential than about you know being in the spotlight mm-hmm. just for people to see her mm-hmm. and to be seen which is why i feel like she didn't even make as much um effort to to be out there and to stand out per se But she was very much an underdog because without her, a lot of these things would not happen. Like, even a lot of Dr. King's speeches, like, a lot of these things would not have happened before her. So she really did spearhead many things that, you know, you just, you don't, you didn't know. Um, So... Yeah, yeah, I think she's pretty cool in that sense. Yeah,
0: something important to know about her is that she was very much against the charismatic leader. She yes. felt like it shouldn't be centered on an individual person. Yeah. That actual change comes from grassroots movements within communities. So if you uh, are able to embolden and encourage a large population in the community, that's when real change can come along. So Ella Baker was very prominent about making sure that people were registered to vote, that people were educated, that mm-hmm. people knew how to get uh, the resources needed in order to make sure that they weren't being taken advantage of and that they knew their rights as citizens
1: yep that is right Um, all right and to go on from that um another part that i want to add about ella baker is the organization that was founded because she actually passed in 1986 yeah 1986 in new york city unfortunately um but 10 years later in 1996 van jones and diana freppier Um, created what is now known as the Ella Baker Center for Human Rights and if you go on their website I um, encourage you to do so. Um, They do a lot of different things for the community but one of the things that they do focus on is um, imprisonment imprisonment and mass incarceration and how to better regulate those things and then they also um, focus on so juvenile justice, police brutality, violence prevention, civic engagement, and the green jobs movement. So they have done a lot. Um, they have organized um, the Bay Area Police Watch because it was actually founded here in San Francisco. Um, and they have, yeah, they, they, they do a lot. So I would really, really encourage you to go read up about it, see what they're about, and just find out more information even on Ella Baker because there is so much more to be spoken about, but I obviously don't want to make this an hour long thing. So
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, because Ella Baker is definitely an influential figure and she's definitely done a lot for us as the black as black people. Mm-hmm. But you know, like there's so much more we can do to learn about her. You can go to your local library, but we can all just Google. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Google it, baby. Google it. Okay, if you want to know, just
0: Google it. But this is like
1: an introductory thing to, like, what she has done, you know, she's super underrated, but let me tell you, like, this girl's great, like, I'm just like, what a hero, honestly, she's a black queen, like, no doubt.
0: Yeah, of course, we love a black queen who not only just stood up against men who she didn't agree with, but she also was able to form her own path and lead by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: hmm Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yep, so now that we talked about Ella Baker, let's move on to our another activist who was a young activist at the time, Miss Ruby Bridges. Now Ruby Bridges was born in Tylertown, Tyler Mississippi, on September eighth, nineteen fifty-four. She was the oldest of five kids to a to two parents who was named Ivan and Lucille Bridges. So the real thing that I have to mention the parents is because the parents had a very important role when it comes to who Ruby Bridges is mm-hmm. and how we all know her. Because if it wasn't for their sacrifice, we wouldn't know anything about her, and we probably wouldn't even be segregated. I mean, integrated today as a society. So Ruby Bridges is known for being the child in New Orleans, Louisiana in 1960. Well, to be accurate, November 14th, 1960, she was integrated into the William France Elementary School and that was a school that was all white and she was being integrated into that school as the first black child in the state of Louisiana and in particularly the New Orleans area. Now, what's very important about this is because of the reaction that it had. So during that time, it was very, 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 very controversial to have schools segregated. It had been at least five years since Brown versus Board of Education had even been passed, but still schools were not mm-hmm. integrating because it led it up to the states. Uh, so therefore, even though it was illegal to have a segregated school, many of the states didn't didn't push the schools to be integrated. However, Ruby Bridges family volunteered through the NAACP um, to be tested. And when she took the test, she tested into a high score. So that's before she was allowed to be tested and to go into going to an all-white school. So the William Fred school was the one that she was supposed to go into. It was supposed to be her and six other children were supposed to be spread out into two different schools. However, when the day showed up for her to go to her school, she was the only one that showed up. So by then, since she was the only black kid that showed up to school that day, she was therefore only the only one being able to talk. So she was the only one being in her classroom, and outside it was a huge ruckus. There mm-hmm. were people outside threatening to kill her, threatening to poison her. There was a woman who always threatened to poison her every single day she came to school yeah so therefore she was she was only allowed to eat food that she came from that she had brought from home, and at home, she only ate food that was already prepackaged so that the woman couldn't get to her. There was also another woman who had a black baby doll inside of a coffin, yep. and she would continually show her, like, you know, this is going to be you, this is going to be you. So it was very scary just to imagine a six-year-old child going to school, the first grade, and being ha- being sh- thrusted into that environment. It must have been really scary for her. But she, they said that she just marched along. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, she didn't really understand what was going on during that time anyway. You know, there's a quote by her, and it said that... She said, driving up, I could see the crowd, but living in New Orleans, I actually thought it was Mardi Gras. There was a large crowd of people outside the school. They were throwing things and shouting, and the sort of goes on during New Orleans at Mardi Gras. And the former United States Deputy Marshal Charles Bucker later recalled, she showed a lot of courage. She never cried. She didn't whimper. She just marched along like a little soldier, and we're all very proud of her. So you can just think about being a six-year-old girl and not fully understanding what's going on, but you know someone's trying to kill you, and you know that people are trying to poison you. But you know that people hate you. But she didn't fully understand the concept of why. But it was mainly up to her parents that put her in this environment. And they did that because they knew that somebody had to take a stand and be the person to integrate into these schools so that all future African-American children, all future black kids can be in these schools and get a better education. So we actually have to just thank Ruby Bridges for doing that in general. We also have to remember that during that time, she was the only black kid in her classroom for the whole entire school year. So could you imagine being the only kid in your school year? No one's allowed to talk to you because you're the black kid. They, well, they referred to her as the nigger back then. So you're the only person in, of your color in the school. No one wants to talk to you. No one wants to play with you. Imagine what that does psychologically to a child during that time. So they also had a child psychologist talk to Ruby every week to make sure that she was doing okay mm-hmm. and that she was you know, mentally sound in order to go to school, in order to be able to be a functioning kid. And she did so much during that time that we are just thankful that she was able to last as long as she did. And so she was able to, you know, finish her school year. Little by little, since kids were staying out of school, little by little, parents started to bring their kids back into school. So therefore, it did fully integrate the school by the end of her second year and in her second grade year. Yeah. And she ended up graduating from a high school, um, from a high school that was integrated. She ended up doing a lot of things during that time. But the most important thing that we all remember is that she was the little girl in the pretty dresses that was able to stand up and take a stand and be the person to integrate these schools in New Orleans.
1: Yeah, so she, Ruby Bridges at six years old was a hero really. And the interesting part is that you have to really think about the psychology of a child at that time. So she was not even fully aware of, first of all, what her role would have been as far as segregating schools as a six year old, you know? But, you know, we look at her now as this, oh wow, like this leader um but really she was just a 6-year-old girl who w- wanted to get an education just like everyone else or just like every other white child and just have that level cuz you also have to like the schools were the schools were segregated and the education that they were receiving was obviously not equal right it was not on par which is why they were making them take this like exam just to even see if they could even Cabal compete mm-hmm. with the all white schools right mm-hmm. because they were a lot um, they were, I guess, more exclusive, and they... Because uh, you have to think
0: about that time. Yeah. Like, during that time, the black schools had the old textbooks. Mm-hmm. They had the teachers who weren't fully trained. They had the teachers who only went to black schools because they weren't able to go to integrated schools. So you had so much preventing black kids at that time from being able to say same comprehension as white kids because they weren't being treated the same.
1: Yeah, and it... Yeah, but I just, like, I just... it's it's sweet to me because it's the innocence of a six-year-old child who doesn't really know what's going on but it's also it must have been so difficult for the parents and it was difficult for the parents Mm -hmm. even like the father not necessarily wanting his child to have to go through such a thing but knowing that it was necessary Mm -hmm. and you know, it doesn't... Like, anybody can really... Anybody can really, like, make a change. Like, she was not... Like, no, like I'm not saying she's not special, but you know what I mean? Like, as a six-year-old, it's not, like, it's not an adult. She's not even fully aware of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And she was able to make such a difference. And obviously a lot of that has to go to her parents, right? We are super thankful for Ruby's parents because they did literally put their own child's life on the line and other parents were not willing to do that but they chose that one, our child deserves to have equal education and access to this, mm. and we are going to take advantage of this because really the Supreme Court already ruled for that to happen mm. the year that Ruby Bridges was born, 1954, mm. and they had still not been doing it in the southern states. So they're not even breaking the law. This They were, the schools were intentionally mm. going against what the Supreme Court ruled, mm. and. You know, the parents were just essentially the first ones who actually were like, no, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to take a stand. And, you know, even though she was a child, she didn't know what was going on. It still takes a lot of resiliency to not break down and not be like, mommy, like, I'm not going to go back to school. She just went ahead. She was the only one in her class. And another person who I want to mention, her name is Barbara Henry. And she was apparently the only teacher who would accept her in her class for the entire year that she was attending Mm -hmm. and not to mention the entire year she literally had to be escorted by I think four yeah four Four US Marshals US Marshals that's Mm -hmm. how dangerous it was for her to just get to school just to get an education Mm -hmm. and it's insane
0: and you have to think about what happened to the little rock nine so her Mm -hmm. parents must have seen what happened to them and knew that that was a possibility with her child so they must have been scared but they still persevered besides that Mm -hmm. and also you have to think about how you know there was consequences to Ruby Bridges going to the oh, school oh yeah yeah I mean her parents her, her father lost his job mm-hmm. and he was a gas station attendant and he got fired because his daughter went to an all white school Um, Her mother wasn't able to go and find babysitters to help take care of the other kids to take her daughter to school.
1: Or even like (laughs) the grocery store.
0: The grocery store store banned them from shopping in the grocery store Mm -hmm. because of this. Um, She was also, her grandparents were sharecroppers and they Mm -hmm. were kicked off their land because of it. So there were so many consequences that Ruby Bridges' family faced because Ruby was able to go to an all-white school.
1: Yeah. So this did not come without any challenges and it, it took sacrifice. And so it took sacrifice for us as black people Mm -hmm. to be able to go to these schools and, you know, for it not to be segregated, Mm -hmm. for us to um, desegregate these schools. It took sacrifice. So I am grateful for that because, you know, as an educated person in the sense of like, you know, academically and going to school, I'm glad that I have that access and I'm glad that I have those opportunities today. And that wouldn't be realistic. That wouldn't be possible without people like ruby Bridget's and her parents mm-hmm. and her entire family to mm-hmm. be honest
0: yeah. that sacrifice is monumental in order for you to be able to like you know even just function in a society you have to have access to things like grocery stores mm-hmm. you have to have a working job and for a family to basically just live off of donations after that point was pretty severe
1: yeah yeah thankfully there were people who did support Um, her, and I know Mm. some people, they said, did aid her and Mm. send in donation to her and her family, Mm. but mostly from, like, northern states, but, you know.
0: Her psychologist's family actually paid for Ruby to get the school supplies that she needed, including Mm. her dresses that she wore to school every day.
1: Yeah, her infamous cute little dresses, and, like, she looks, she's just, like, so cute. It's just, Mm. it's so sweet to see the innocence Mm. of a child and still... A leader in a yeah. sense you know it's kind of it's crazy she's a hero at six mm. years old
0: it said that every morning before she went to school she prayed for the people outside
1: that's beautiful Yeah. yeah.
0: i mean that's that shows a lot of heart even for a little girl mm-hmm. i don't know if some of us as older people hear people screaming at us yelling at us that we'd be sitting there praying for us i mean we would like to think that we would but in the midst of it how will we actually react or how will yep. we feel inside
1: yeah And, you know, that's why, you know, God decided to use a child. Honestly, Mm -hmm. God decided to use a child and he did that for a reason. And that Mm -hmm. child happened to be Ruby Bridges. Um, And, yeah, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. She was the one who was able to have the resiliency Mm -hmm. to not even necessarily stand up, but just to simply just keep going. You know, she didn't she didn't necessarily like she she didn't um, she didn't necessarily like yell at anybody in their face. And there's no there's no moment where that happened, you know. Mm -hmm. And she, um, you know, yelled anything horrible to her attackers. Um, mm-hmm. But she just kept going. And I, like, I can't respect that enough. Mm-hmm. And I can't say how grateful I am enough. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, so do you want to talk about now? So after she did graduate from the desegregated high school, mm-hmm. um, what did she do? She
0: So after that, she worked as a travel agent for 15 years. But it wasn't until she gained popular recognition from the movie that they made about her mm. that she became um, known as the head of the Ruby Bridges Foundation.
1: Yeah, that was in 1999, 1999 when mm. they established that.
0: Yes. So from that and also from the painting, the, there was a famous painting by uh, yes. Norman Rockwell called... The Problem We All Live With, which was pretty much depicting her first day of school. And that became national recognition during that time. And so with the fame of the movie and the painting getting re-recognized, that she became able to lead the Ruby Bridges Foundation that actually advertised for um, equality in the school system Mm -hmm. and for diversity when it comes to um, being able to have equal access to education. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Their mission, it says, is to promote tolerance and create change through education, Mm -hmm. which obviously it would be central to who she represents as Mm -hmm. a person, right? Because Ruby Bridges, she really just wanted to go at the end of the day. It's like super simple. She just wanted to get an education like every other white child, Mm -hmm. right? Just have access to the highest quality of education that she could Um, Mm -hmm. and thank you (laughs) and then what happened so in 2000 um in the year 2000 she was named honorary deputy marshal in washington dc so that's Mm. another significant moment of her life Mm. as
0: well she was also given the presidential uh medal civilian medal of freedom by president bill clinton in
1: 2001.
0: Mm. it was was was, was 2001. it was 2001 okay
1: So, yeah, clearly she, I would say, like, her life, um, up until that point, you didn't really, I mean, I guess she did write books, so she did receive the Carter G. Woodson Mm -hmm. Award Mm -hmm. um, for the books that she uh, wrote about recounting her experiences during that time Mm -hmm. um, um, as a child, but... To be honest like it seems to me like she just led a very like simple life in the mm. sense of like she went to school she got her education mm. she became a travel agent she settled down had four kids got married mm. and mm. you know she really just went along with her life and then later on is when she people really about. started recognizing her yeah. for the role that she played mm. in um, education desegregation of schools mm. and um, i feel like i'm hearing her more commonly now today mm-hmm. yeah. um people are definitely talking about ruby bridges a lot more than they were because when i was in school let me tell you in canada i don't know about america but in canada i never heard about this woman okay mm-hmm. i knew nothing about her so
0: yeah we like in elementary school we read a book called the story of ruby bridges and okay. that was about it like we don't really like you don't really think of ruby bridges when you think of people like you know black history mm-hmm. you don't think of her when it comes to like you know who are the leaders in this movement. Mm-hmm. You, people will think of the Little Rock Nine, definitely, but they don't think yeah. about this little girl from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something that we have to remember, that, you know, a lot of people played a role into the Civil Rights Movement. It wasn't just Martin Luther King. It wasn't just yes. Parks. It wasn't just the Montgomery bus boycott. It was a lot of people doing a lot of things That help sustain us and move us to the moment that we are in right now
1: Mm -hmm. there's a lot that happens behind the scenes and as much as there are going to be faces of the movement let's not remember let's not forget that there are people behind those people who were the one who caused the movement to even Mm -hmm. start or like keep pushing forward Mm -hmm. because nothing can be done with just one person it takes a group it takes a community of people to back that person right for for us to promote and like create change. So um yeah, I think it's nice for us to think about more civil rights activists or just like, you know, activists, black activists who really did um do things that we don't really hear about, we don't really talk about. Mm-hmm. And let's make them known, you know, let's make their names known to people and um educate people on these other people that we don't commonly hear about.
0: Exactly. Let's do our part to make sure that we can sustain their legacy in this society and know that they had a part in making us the beautiful, you know, complex nation that we are today.
1: That's right. So for our upcoming weeks, we will continue to honor different uh, Black leaders um, from different sectors. So next week, we are going to be talking about Artists, so anybody that falls under that, and we have quite a few people. We have some photographers, we have um, some singers, m- some actresses, mm-hmm.
0: we have some photographers. You said, Yeah, so we have, basically, we have uh, some choreographers. Mm-hmm. We have basically people who have contributed to the arts,
1: hmm. And because you know, black people, man, you know, they be they, there's a lot of uh black yeah. creatives out here, we okay, and
0: everything. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: they go they go they go like unrecognized but like you look back and I'm like oh my gosh like was this created by and it's like oh this is like a black artist and you know so yeah we just wanted to honor those people as well um because you know art is still a form of activism so um yeah this week we talked about our black activists in more of a typical sense but yeah the next upcoming weeks are going to be talking about other types of activist Uh um, in different sectors. So tune in every single week. There's going to be a different sector that we will be addressing. And also tune in for our video episodes um, that we're going to be putting up throughout this month. And one of them that I'm very excited to talk about is underrated black civil rights activists or just black activists in general. And just we're going to be doing a list of people that we feel like you should know about and that you should also let other people know about as well.
0: Yep. Until then, I'm A.O. Benny. I'm Kiki. And we are Tired.